Welcome to episode 51 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a communication, a, a podcast about communication skills. And so in today's episode, I want to pick up on some of the things that we've been talking about in the last few episodes, particularly related to push tactics of persuasion, pull tactics of persuasion, leading by asking good questions, um, etc. So I, I want to sort of get back to the difference between push and pull tactics and questions. And in order to do that, I want to start today by talking about assertions and why assertions aren't persuasive, essentially, uh, and what you could do to change an assertion into something more persuasive. So um, let's talk about what an assertion is first. By assertion, I mean when someone proposes an idea or makes a claim and then supports their claim or their idea with information and with evidence. Now, someone that's really good at assertions, really good at making assertions, can anticipate possible objections to their assertion, and then they can offer evidence and reasons for why those objections aren't any good. Um, but really, in its, in its essence, any assertion is a kind of forceful statement of belief. It's meant to communicate in the same way that a push does. So when we were talking a couple episodes about a couple episodes ago about push tactics of persuasion, assertion is really the foundational or, or basic or uh, most fundamental push tactic of persuasion. Um, and think for a minute, I, I, I want all of you to think for a minute about what a literal push does. So if someone literally pushes you, you sort of stumble backwards and you have to kind of regain your balance, you'll probably tense up for a bit. You'll either want to flee or fight back, etc. So uh, when someone makes an assertion, they're making a forceful statement of belief and it's meant to communicate in the same way that a push does, that a literal push does. Um, and unfortunately, assertion is the practice that we use most frequently when we want to persuade someone to believe something or to do something. Uh, it's also, and I, I think people use assertion not because they know they're trying to persuade someone, but just because that's really the only thing that they know how to do. Um, and so an assertion could be anything from voting for a particular politician or, or convincing someone to vote for a particular pol politician to choosing a restaurant for dinner, believing the Lord of the Rings is better than Star Wars. Um, and so every time we attempt to persuade through assertion, uh, a couple of things happen. So first, when we attempt to persuade through assertion, what's going on is that we're saying that we have a belief or a view of the world and we really want you to understand that our view, you being the audience, that our view of the world is the right view. Therefore, you should adapt or adopt, sorry, adopt that view of the world. And what we underestimate is the fact that um, when we push people, the strength of the resistance we find is often greater than we expected. Because we, we forget that as soon as we push people, they tense up and want to push back or stabilize themselves or, um, uh, or flee or they react, you know, when you literally push someone, you, the person reacts quite negatively, in other words. 
So every time we attempt to persuade through assertion, we underestimate the strength of the resistance. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is that we underestimate this, the extent to which people have different views of the world. Their view of the world almost never aligns with our view of the world. And to assert that our view of the world is true or right and it is the one that you ought to align yourself with is to underestimate the fact that everybody's walking around with their own views of the world that they think are true and right also. So when you come along and assert your view of the world is right, it is belittling to the other person's view of the world. It's like saying, oh, your view of the world is stupid. And implicitly, an, an assertion is, is exactly that, whether we realize it or not. So let me give you a concrete example. This happened to me just yesterday. So I run a, um, a first-year program uh, for all students at the University of Waterloo in the Faculty of Arts. They have to take a communication course and a course in information and analysis. And I kind of oversee pedagogy and the logistics behind that two course sequence for students. And a faculty member uh, in my faculty that's not in my department wrote me an email yesterday and it made a whole bunch of assertions about the program. The number one assertion it made is that, what, is that I was unfairly biasing communication skills over analysis skills and analysis skills are just as important. And in my messaging to the faculty, um, I'm just sort of basically screwing up because I'm not uh, accurately or adequately kind of explaining um, the importance of, of analysis for these classes. So this person asserts a view of the world to me. And he says, basically, my view of the world is wrong. It's a clearly a push tactic of persuasion. Uh, so, I mean, anybody that thinks about effects first without thinking about transmission would ask themselves before sending a message like that, okay, what effect is this message likely to have? Well, obviously, it's going to make me defensive or it's going to make the reader def defensive because it asserts a view of the world that the reader doesn't share. And it vastly underestimates the kind of resistance the readers, like me in this case, is likely to have to the assertion about the about the world, because it just doesn't recognize that I have a different view of the of the world that's being described by this person. Um, so I don't think anybody that's interested in persuasion would have written a, a message like that. Um, and I should hope if you're in this audience, if you're in my audience, and you're worried about communication and you're worried about persuasion, and you're interested in being more persuasive. One thing I'll tell you is I don't. Don't careen around the world making assertions at other people because you're constantly going to underestimate the, the strength of the resistance and the, the difference between your view of the world and someone else's view of the world, the, the fact that those views of the world simply don't align. Um, anyway, the, the, uh, unfortunately, I think that person's email is the kind of typical way through communication interactions for most people in, in the world. And if you start with the understanding that communication is, is a matter of transmitting information, you might think that if I just transmit my assertion to the other person and they just recognize that my, my view of the world is the right view, then they'll be persuaded. Um, as I've said multiple times on this podcast and to all my students, uh, that's not what inf communication is. It's a process of producing effects on others, not a process of transmitting information. If I realize it's a process of producing effects on others, then I'm likely to realize that assertion uh, produces the kinds of effects that make it harder to actually change people's beliefs or lead people to specific actions. So when my colleague makes that kind of assertion in an email, it makes it less likely 
that I will in fact adapt or adopt his view of the world or change anything in response to his message. So if his goal is changing my beliefs or uh, specific actions as an outcome, then he's made that harder through his practice of assertion. Push tactics of persuasion aren't effective because they misunderstand the communicative process, essentially. They lead instead to people figuratively bludgeoning their opponent, which is really what's happening with an assertion. Um, uh, the opponent here is the person they're trying to persuade and not just a, a kind of opponent in a game of any sort. Uh, if we believe that persuasion is a kind of win-lose proposition related to power or related to the power and intensity of an assertion, then um, we're likely to start to assert even more forcefully. And of course, the more force with which we assert something, the more resistance we will encounter and the more someone will cling to their different view of the world instead of adopting our view of the world, which we think is correct or right. In other words, if we assert something, if we really want to persuade something and all we understand is the process of assertion, then we're likely to assert even more forcefully, which will leave our audience stumbling backwards and uh, even more and more tensely trying to regain balance, which is not the effect that you want to have. So look, there's times when, when assertion works, uh, especially if a person has specific authority or expertise or power that others don't have. Uh, parents push their kids into behaviors or practices because it's faster and we have authority over them. But if we push our kids too hard, what happens? We get rebellion, resistance, we get talking back. And that seems inevitable when, if you, or if you think about persuasion as a form of pushing and asserting. But obviously there's other ways to persuade people to believe or to act. And those ways can largely be generalized as I did in the previous episode of us pull tactics of persuasion. Uh, I, before, I, I don't want to talk about those too much here, um, but I want to kind of get to what I consider to be one, another persuasion kind of rule of thumb that uh, I teach my students that are, that's related to this kind of problem with assertion. And that rule of thumb has to do with, if you're, uh, with what I call connect before you convince. You have to connect before you convince. So assertion can work and you cannot uh, go through the world without making assertions. I wouldn't suggest that to anyone. We talked in a previous episode about asking good questions and how important it is to ask good questions uh, and how asking good questions is a pull tactic of persuasion. All that's true. Um, but you can't just go on infinitely asking questions. You all, you have to, at some point, make an assertion. So how do you make a persuasive assertion and how do you avoid the kind of stumble or the kind of problem that my colleague who wrote me an email yesterday uh, has found, found his way into? Um, so that involves, I think, the importance of recognizing connection before convin uh, con convincing someone of anything. So uh, if communication is about the effects we have on others, and one of the effects is always the effect of establishing a relationship between two people, and that relationship uh, matters for the process of creating meaning. Uh, this is one of the things that we are always talking about with, with my students. We're always forming relationships in our acts of communication. Um, now, if I make an assertion to a stranger that I don't know very well, uh, that assertion is uh, happens in what I would call a, the kind of a kind of vacuum of relationality. There's no existing relationship um, in place, so the person that makes the assertion on the audience does so without any pre-existing connection between themselves and and their audience. So, in the absence of connection, assertions 
become less, even less likely to persuade. So they're already a kind of dangerous tactic for persuasion. But if you then do it, uh, do a, or make a kind of assertion in the absence of any kind of form of relationality or any kind of connection, then you're almost certainly doomed to fail. So this colleague that wrote me an email, I have no relationship with this person. I've never had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. I, I don't think I've ever been introduced. I think we've probably been in some meetings together, larger meetings, but I'm not even sure of that. I kind of know who he is. I would know if I, he was, I was walking down the street and I passed him, I'd be like, oh, that's that person. But essentially we have no relationship. So um, he has made an assertion in the absence of connection. And in that case, it's doomed to fail. There's no way the person would, uh, the audience would adopt the, the view of the world in the assertion. But there are lots of cases in which an existing strong connection would make assertion a more likely persuasive tactic. So if I have a really good, let's say I have a really good working relationship. Um, there's a senior administration official that I know a little bit. We have something of a relationship. We've talked some before, um, something complicated is going on at work. And I tell them, hey, we really need to do X. X is the smartest path forward because X will lead to Y benefit and, and Z outcome. So I've made an assertion. Now, if when I'm making that assertion, I'm doing it with someone who I have a relationship with, who already trusts me, who believes uh, I'm rational, I'm a good decision maker, I have the best interests of the university in mind, etc. If we have a kind of relationship of trust that's been established through interpersonal communication practices, then he might think, okay, yeah, that's different than my view of the world. It's different than what I wanted to do. But you know what? There's some merit here. We can think about pursuing this path instead of this other path. In other words, I make the possibility of persuasion through assertion possible uh, by leveraging the existing connection or the existing relationship and by tapping into the kinds of... Um, trust and interpersonal liking and interpersonal commitment that was manufactured through relationship building communication practices that existed beforehand. Um, this is what I mean when I tell my students first connect, then convince. Uh, so on a global, on like a broad scale, you never make an assertion with someone who's a total stranger. It's just not going to work or someone you don't have any relationship with. You can make assertions if you have positive existing interpersonal relationships with people, they might be more or more inclined to uh, believe or adapt or act in a way that's in concert with your view of the world. Um, this also happens on kind of micro levels too. So even let's say I'm a meeting, I'm in a meeting, I have a good really working relationship with someone, um, but we're having a disagreement. And I'm trying to convince that person of that we should hire person A and not person B. Okay, so we're in a longer meeting. The fact that we have a good working relationship has kind of been eroded by the complexity of the conversation. I'm making the assertion that we ought to hire person A, not person B. The other, the, my, my colleague is making the assertion that we should hire person B, not person A. So we've got a disagreement. I would look for certain things in this case before I made an assertion. I would look for the kind of micro openness to the assertion that a person's body language, for example, might be portraying or demonstrating. Uh, so if a person appears closed off, uh, moving backwards, their arms are crossed, they're looking down, they're, they're looking away, um, 
if they're already in a defensive posture and I assert or push, guess what? The strength of their resistance is it builds, it magnifies itself and the likelihood uh, and their view of the world that they have that's different than mine will also become more important to them. So in all these kinds of microwaves, I should be looking for ways in which a push might lead to greater resistance. It's sort of the same as like literally if you're on a playground and you're a kid and there's some other kid like stumbling backwards over there and then you go to push them, not only are they gonna fall down, they're gonna fall really far and really hard down because they're already going backwards and they're gonna be even more pissed off at you. They're gonna, their, their fight or flight uh, response will be heightened by the fact that you pushed them when they were already kind of off balance and moving backwards and, and seem to be struggling. So if you're in a conversation with someone that you have a relationship with and they are demonstrating to you that a kind of resistance, a kind of struggle or a kind of unwillingness to accept your assertion, then you need to recognize that making a stronger assertion in that case will strengthen their resistance to your assertion. So you have to go back to the mantra, first connect, then convince. You have to look for ways to open up that person to the possibility of that assertion by using interpersonal communication practices to remind the person that you have a relationship with and a connection with of that connection, of that relationality, of that trust, of that, um, that interpersonal liking or that affinity. So if you, if and here in meetings, there's lots of times where I tell a joke, I make fun of myself, um, I tell a story, I introduce an anecdote where I will try to cut the kind of tension that's being produced by a volley of assertions in order to look for or establish some sort of connection with some other person in the room before I go back to making another assertion. So you have to find ways to interpersonally connect if, if you're in a situation where even in with an existing relationship, there's a kind of reluctance or, or um, a kind of trepidation about the assertion that's being made. This is all to say that assertions are the, the main, our main way through the world and they're not terribly effective tactics of persuasion. Uh, so if we're gonna use them, we need to remember to connect before we use them. Uh, and we need to remember that the most likely effect of an assertion is the same as a literal, literal push. I find that most people that are interested or committed to making assertions are much more interested in, make, in t showing the world that their view of the world is right than being effective. Um, this person that wrote me the email yesterday, uh, he has no interest in persuasion. He has an interest in his view of the world being confirmed as accurate. Uh, I'm a pragmatist about these things. I don't care if people think I'm right or wrong. I care if I'm able to get things done in the world. And most people that are interested in communication or persuasion are more interested in getting things done in the world uh, or having effects or producing outcomes than they are in their rightness or wrongness. Uh, but it, it reminds me that um, I'm sure if you've met someone out there in the world who's really concerned with whether they're right or wrong, and there are lots of such people, I know lots of them, uh, and if you meet someone who's really, really concerned in showing you that they're right all the time, that person is bad at communication. It's, a, it's almost a guarantee that that person is bad at communication because they're privileging rightness or wrongness over the effects that they have on, on others. I would stay away from that person. I wouldn't want to be friends with that person. I certainly wouldn't want that person as a partner in a long-term relationship. Uh, people that are more interested in being right than in being effective uh, are often guilty of, of uh, communication by assertion. And that kind of process of assertion more often than not produces the opposite of what 
the effect that the person would would normally want. It, it often stiffens resistance uh, to the view of the world that that they so preciously think is correct or or accurate. Um, so, but but if you're not the kind of person that is really really concerned if your view of the world is right or wrong, or if other people think that your view of the world is right or wrong. Uh, if you're not that kind of person, you need to remember first connect, then convince. So if I'm going to use assertion, I need to recognize that the likely outcomes are a kind of stiffening of resistance or reassertion of a differing view of the world. Uh, and if the assertion is going to be successful, that means that I need to take a step back and figure out how to connect first and convince second, how to connect first and then make an assertion, how to establish a relationship before I make an assertion. Uh, only then will the assertion be effective as a kind of uh, tactic of, of persuasion. Okay, so that's um, that's uh, putting assertions into context and thinking them, thinking through them as a as a matter of producing effects on others. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, my next episode, I, I do want to talk about care and hyperbole. Something that people that make assertions don't realize often is that the more care and specificity and um, and modesty with which they express the assertion, assertion, oftentimes the more effective the assertion is. Yet the more hyperbolic we, the more hyperbole we use to express an assertion, oftentimes the outcome is to strengthen the resistance to that assertion. So I want to follow up on this episode with one more episode that about this that that looks at care and hyperbole as two ends of a kind of spectrum of assertion making. So thanks everyone for listening. I'll be back with another episode shortly. <laughs>